Atheist Nomads, episode 291, The Gospel of Contradictions. The podcast you're about to listen to includes cursing and talking about hoo-hahs. Please be advised. Welcome to the episode of Atheist Nomads. I am Dustin. Joining me is Lauren. Hello! And Aaron. Hi. And, uh, yeah, we're... Doing Feeling our... better? Yes, definitely. Yes. So I, I don't have to sit at my house uh-huh. <laughs> all by yourself, all by myself in my pajamas in bed. <laughs> I'm sorry. No, actually, it was great. No, that's why I'm saying yeah. sorry. You, you have to come back here where it's like get chaos dressed up, personified. And... <laughs> Do your hair. It's okay. I had a coffee meeting this morning. So nice. It worked out. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and yeah. All right, well, let's go ahead and just jump right on into Dustin Off the Degree. Uh, It was requested during the survey that we talk about contradictions in the Bible. And a great opportunity for that is with the Gospels, because they are littered with them. Yeah, we had a good laugh over that request. It's like, well, where do we begin? And since we just talked about the origins of Christianity, logical place to start, as much as we went into the origin of the Gospels is how much they disagree with each other. Right. I know nothing about the Bible. (laughs) That's not surprising. Terrible atheist, because, yeah, I I read through it once, kind of cliff notes it, and then never touched it again. So, Dustin. Yes. So, wait, hold on. You're like, I'm a terrible atheist for not knowing the Bible? Is that, you have to know the Bible to be an atheist? Most atheists tend to know the Bible better than Christians. That's because most atheists we're really religious True. we are just the people who happen to not be that religious i, I know you are like, you you and i are kind of the exceptions to the rule right and i feel like mm-hmm. there's a there's still a handful of us wandering around who are just, just like like just i don't know why do we need to know this they, i mean at this point I, i'm 35 i don't need to know too much about it i know corinthians <laughs> 2 is not the second book of corinthians <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I mean, when I was in a real low state and I was kind of Mormon, I think I brought this up before. I read the whole book of Job, you know, nice. cause like you do to make yourself feel better. Okay. <laughs> well, I'm at least sure I'm not didn't. that guy. Right. That's the whole point. It's like, yeah. hey, you feel down? Well, look at this guy. <laughs> <laughs> All, All right. right. So the uh, birth of Jesus. That's a fun one. Is covered in two of the Gospels. Are they contradicting? Yes, they contradict each other. Hey. Uh, so Mark, of course, was the first gospel written. It does not start with the birth of Jesus. It starts with Jesus starting his ministry. No. So Matthew and that. Luke, who basically copied Mark and added in details, yeah. both added in Jesus' birth. And they are totally different stories. They take place in different times. Basically, the only things they have in common are God knocked up Mary, who was engaged to Joseph. Jesus was born in Bethlehem and grew up in Nazareth. Hmm. Those are the only details in common. Mm-hmm. So the major plot points, except for everything else in these yeah, stories. Yeah, then everything <laughs> falls apart. All the details that we like to tell kids. Uh-huh. Cute little stories at Christmas time. Like the, the traditional like uh, nativity story. That is not found in the Bible because half of it is from Matthew and half of it is from Luke. And all of it is bullshit. Again, those are two different stories. Right. So let's start out with Matthew. They live in a, a house in Bethlehem. Period. There is no journey to Bethlehem. Oh. <laughs> they just... They live in Bethlehem. Okay. Yeah. Jesus is born in, and as you continue through the story and tie it to the historical events that are referenced, uh, he was born in 6 BCE. During this time period, Herod is the king of Judea. It is a client state of Rome. Um, Herod was an actual person who actually ruled over the region known as Judea that was a client state of Rome. So, okay, that part's... That's, that part all does actually work out. Matthew has magicians from the east coming to visit because they saw the star. Magicians? Yeah, they call them wise men because, <laughs> no, they're magicians. Because magician sounds goofy. Yeah, uh-huh. right. 
astrologer or magician would be the okay, more accurate okay. Oh, okay. term. Let me pull a rabbit Her- out of my hat. Was Herod a Sagittarius? <laughs> <laughs> then after the the uh, the magicians go and they visit Herod, or they, they talk to Herod first to find out, you know, where is this new king that was born? <laughs> they then go and visit the baby and his parents, and then an angel appears and tells them to get out of there. So they flee to Egypt. What, the magicians do? No. The, or the whole family the does? The family does. Oh. So Jesus is, by this point, no idea how old he is. Right. Um, but they run off to Egypt from Bethlehem. Then Herod kills all the baby boys in, in Bethlehem. Um, every male child under the age of two. Oh, that's how he oh. escaped that. I never knew. So, I mean... So we do know kind of the time frame because he had to have been, it had to have been around birth to two when yeah. they fled, right? Yeah. So, I mean, two years. So within maybe. two years. Okay, yeah. so actually Jesus could have been born as early as 8 BCE in this story. Okay. If you go with, they fled within weeks, right. then it would have been 6 BCE. If you go with, they fled when he was two, then he would have been born in 8 BCE. Traveling with a toddler. Am I right, parents? (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. We haven't tried that yet. Josephus wrote a lot about Herod Mm -hmm. in his history of the Jews. And he went into especially writing about Herod, about all the horrible, terrible things Herod did. And he did write about Herod killing children. His own children. Oh, Oh my gosh. If you're a power-hungry king, that makes sense, right? So he killed some of his kids. Yeah. Josephus would have written about the mass slaughter of babies. Yeah, no. He didn't. Huh. Okay, then. Well, so that nicked that story. Most like. If the best historian of the era doesn't write about an event, and Josephus was a good historian. Right. That event didn't happen. Wrong. Fake so then, news. Herod dies at the end of their two years in Egypt, and it is two years they spend there. We know Herod died in 4 BCE. Then they moved to Nazareth because Herod's son, Archelaus, was ruling in Judea. The one that wasn't killed? (laughs) Yeah. One of the three that weren't killed. They split up his, his kingdom. And so obviously Galilee would be safe. So they moved to Nazareth. Not as the heading in the English Standard Version refers to it as returned to Nazareth, it is not that they return, it's that they decide to move to Nazareth. Now, this is also an illogical plot point because they pick Nazareth to get away from the son of Herod when Nazareth was in Galilee, which is also being ruled by one of Herod's sons, Herod Antipas. Okay, so not avoiding the family at all. Nope, nope. They just had to get him. They needed a a plot device to get Jesus to Nazareth because they had to satisfy the prophecy that he would be a Nazarene, Mm. which is ridiculous because a Nazarene is somebody who takes a particular oath and grows out long hair, not somebody who is from the town of Nazareth. <laughs> oh. uh, and we all know that Jesus was a hit, dirty, dirty hippie. So right. he could have been a Nazarene without having lived there. But, but that's not how they wrote it. They had to justify the plot device of them moving to Nazareth by adding in this detail that is completely illogical. And okay, so that's the Matthew story. Okay. The story in Luke is that Mary was told that she would be impregnated by the Holy Spirit while engaged to Joseph while Herod is king of Judea. So she was told this ahead of time? So in sometime before 4 BCE. She saw it coming. (laughs) Or she was like, this is a great time for me just to get it on with a bunch of people. Yeah. (laughs) That crazy weekend party that she was at. Yeah, totally uh, an angel told her. Yeah. (laughs) Shit. So then, uh, Mary and Joseph travel from Nazareth to Bethlehem, 
for the census while Quirinius is governor of Syria. Now, the census did actually happen. It was in 6 CE, so at least 10 years after the angel told Mary that God was going to knock her up. That's a long wait for uh, poor Joseph. She's like, I'm sorry, we can't get married until I have God's son. And he's like, oh, oh okay, that'll be what, like uh-huh. nine months? I can wait. Ten years later. Ten years later, God impregnates the Virgin Mary. Mm-hmm. Then Joseph can finally get it on with his wife. That's a very patient man. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Then... That's proof that the story isn't real because that does not exist. Right. <laughs> the census was contra- was a big enough of a, a controversy in the in the region because the Bible specifically says that you can't have censuses. A census is sinful. Like a census like... Like counting how many people you have it's, is a sin. It's a sin. It is a sin. Ah. Uh, that is source that actually is relevant to a different Bible contradiction, but we will get to there, you know, another time. Yeah. Uh, but this was a big enough of a deal that Judas of Galilee rose up in revolt against the Roman authorities and established the Zealots. Mm. And this census was prompted by bringing. Iudea, which included <laughs> Samaria, Judea, and Idumea. You said Iudea. And uh-huh. <laughs> that was yeah. the name of the region. <laughs> there was a lot of birth control going on there. <laughs> hey, for Mary to not get pregnant for 10 years? I got yeah. it. I just got it. IUD. Huh? Yeah. Yep. 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 Uh, but so it brought, the, that region was, was brought direct under direct administration of Rome. As such, Rome needed to figure out how to tax the region. And like any other census, they only cared about who lived there, not where their families were from. Hmm. But because Luke put Mary and Joseph in Nazareth at the start, he had to figure out some kind of a reason to get them to Bethlehem. Because the detail they had in the plot points, Jesus had to grow up in Nazareth, born in Bethlehem to be king of the Jews. He had to be born in Nazareth and to be a Nazarene. He had to be from Nazareth. Right. Even though that's not true. Even though that's not true. Yeah. Ah. And also most, the only king of, of Israel that was ever born in Bethlehem would be David. The second king of Israel. Oh, all of his children were all born in Jerusalem, the capital. Okay. So even that is bizarre, but there was a prophecy that the who came up with this prophecy that that I want to know where the prophecy come from. Isaiah and Jeremiah, for the most part. Gosh, this sounds so magical. It sounds like uh, the job of an editor for a really shitty author. (laughs) You're like, okay, there's no contingency here whatsoever. (laughs) (laughs) You got to rewrite this whole thing. Also, like, what nine month pregnant, almost ten month pregnant woman is. Like, sure, let's go on this journey. Yeah. <laughs> let's go on a walk. No big deal. <laughs> I guess if you don't have a choice. I'm soups pregnant. Let's do this. So then they get to Bethlehem where a whole bunch of people are there for the census, which doesn't make sense because nobody would have been there for the census. It's just the people who lived there. Uh-huh. So there wasn't any room for them to stay in any accommodation. So they end up having to stay in a manger Almost immediately after arriving, Mary goes into labor and gives birth in the manger. <clears throat> Literally, we're talking Kylie in stopped. a barn. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. No big deal. Luke has the shepherds. It has a temple dedication. And then they just return to Nazareth. Right. No fleeing to Egypt. No Herod killing babies. Like, those would have been important details to bring up <laughs> no, in the just story. just make that shit up. That's just... An action point. This is known as padding the story. And, uh... Like, if you're going to pad a story like this, go with unverifiable mundane details. Like, temple dedication. That's one of those things. That would have happened all the time. Not a big deal. 
fleeing to Egypt for 10 years to avoid massacre. That <laughs> is something that is literally verifiable fact. Well, maybe massacres were just happening all the time and they just they're like, uh, stop writing one. about them. Yeah. Like the news and <laughs> the media. <laughs> yeah. Oh, gosh. Yeah, for sure. Except Josephus wrote about every massacre that did happen. As dedicated. He was. Yeah. He was a real good journalist. So, I mean, we're calling it historian now, but I mean. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> you don't call yourself a historian when you're living in the times. Right. Exactly. Well, Josephus was born after Herod died and still wrote a lot about Herod. He was trying to write the ultimate history of his people. Oh, okay. Oh. So he was a historian. Okay, yeah. fine. And and for the, the era, he was a good historian. By modern standards, he was crap. But for the era, <laughs> he was a good historian. The Gospels, on the other hand, even for that era, were not good histories. No. The authors obviously had a poor understanding of history, like relatively recent history. Right. They knew just enough to try to tie things to real events, but not enough to actually understand anything about how those events actually happened. Like they knew, Luke knew that a census happened, but obviously didn't know how a census would work. Right. That is just ridiculously ignorant. Oh, <laughs> uh, well, I mean, if you look at it, everything's pretty ignorant in the Bible. <laughs> Just about. Okay, so these are the, that's the gospel story. Okay. That's the one with the biggest Contradiction. contradictions because it wasn't included in the original source. Mm -hmm. There were some details that they agreed upon, but for the most part, those were just major plot points and they filled out everything else. Right. Separately, and it's... With lies! All over the place. Again, the first fake news. <laughs> fake news! <laughs> so, the Sermon on the Mount is Jesus' most famous uh, message that he delivered. It includes the Beatitudes, the, you know, blessed are the poor, and blessed are the weak, oh. blessed are the merciful. <laughs> Matthew and Luke <laughs> both have a sermon that starts with the Beatitudes. This is one of the reasons why it is thought that there is was a second source document, which is called Q, Ooh. that was just a collection of Jesus' sayings. So Matthew has Jesus preaching on the mountain. Okay. Not just a mountain, but he goes up on the mountain. The mountain. It is definite article. Luke has Jesus on a level place. Otherwise, other, in other words, a plane. <gasps> Or the opposite of a mountain. <laughs> uh-huh. So that's a little like if if you're you're going into details as to what was the ge the, the, the topography of where this <laughs> sermon took place. Right. They came up with opposite answers to a absolutely unnecessary question. <laughs> right. It's it's not even a big deal where it was. Right. But the fact that they had <laughs> yeah. to fill that in. Yeah. They made well, up they had to call answers. a Sermon on the Mount, right? So No, they didn't. That's something that modern people call it now. Mm. It was just there was a multitude of people gathered. And so Jesus went up on the mountain and his disciples followed him. And then he started preaching, which actually, if you look at that, it almost sounds like Jesus ran away from the crowd up <laughs> into the mountains to only preach to his disciples. Oh. Because in Matthew, Jesus is always running away from the crowd. That's kind of his thing. He's, he's a little shy. He's like, not so much paparazzi. <laughs> Social anxiety disorder, man. Will you yeah. just back off? <laughs> While Luke paints more of a Jesus who loves the crowd. Right. And likes to perform for the audience. Right. Um, but the other big area where there's definite contradictions in the, the gospel stories is Peter's denial. Denial? Yes. So Jesus predicted that Peter would deny him three times mm. between the time that he's arrested and crucified. Like denying that he's actually... Uh, An apostle? That he oh. knows no, him, he knows that him he's or... a part of his, his group, that he's one of his followers. <laughs> one of his peeps. That he's, yeah. He's not a bro. 
Now, <laughs> this is something that all four Gospels cover, mm-hmm. which is actually not common. John is so much different than the rest of the Gospels that like John and the three synoptic Gospels basically share as many details as the two birth stories share. Okay. It's just a couple of plot points and then the rest is is completely different. So out of these denials, there are, well, let's just say more than three. (laughs) So we have the servant girl in the courtyard. That's found in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. There is the servant girl at the entrance or gateway or door. That is found in Matthew, Mark, and John, not Luke. There are the bystanders in the courtyard, which are found in Matthew, Mark, and John. There's the first man in the courtyard in Luke. The second man in the courtyard. But these are all denials? Uh-huh. Okay. People saying, this hey, is- you're, you're, you're one of his people. And he's like, no, no, I'm not. Uh, or oh. no, by th- may God strike me down if I am, I am not. Hmm. Like in some, he's cursing. So, uh, he's walking through this place and all these people are like, hey, you're that Jesus guy, right? And he's like, nope, nope, that's not, nope, that's not me. Like a bad comedy routine. Yeah, basically. <laughs> he's got a disguise on. This is a little <laughs> fake mustache that he penciled on. Uh, Luke's second man. He's in doing the- that whole like covering his ha- his face thing. <laughs> like, I, you don't know, man. <laughs> Luke's second man in the courtyard was a full hour later. That detail is specified, that it was an hour after the earlier denials. Huh. Then John has the servant of the high priest. So some of these can be combined. So there was at least four and as many as six, Hmm. probably five. Uh, Some... Okay, he was denied. We got it. Right. So some Christians will say that the detail that was wrong, because you can't look at it without saying that some detail is wrong. Right. Um, some will just say the details don't matter. It was three times. The specifics aren't important. There are some who say, yeah, Jesus said three times, but it was just at least three times. Mm-hmm. And Peter actually denied him five times. Can you explain why these denials are important? Just because Jesus said it was going to happen. Uh-huh. And oh. It happened. Because, okay, so... <laughs> Right Wait, be- so a guy said, I'm going to deny this, and then it actually happened? No, he, no, he Peter- said, you're going to deny this. Peter's like, no, I'm totally not going to. And then he did. Oh. Yeah. So Peter had, not only when, when he was told that he was going to deny by Jesus, that he would deny Jesus, mm-hmm. his response was so strong. He was like, no, I would follow you to, to the death. And then he turns out to be a coward. He's a there's always, bitch. there's always that character in a movie, though, right? right? The one who's like whistling out in the end. Yeah, I don't know. This just sounds like a mean girl story. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like yeah, totally. Totes Pete, to Peter's, your face, in, I Peter's in the back trying to like steal the sacred gold pieces <laughs> right. that will curse the rest of the party. Yeah. Now, there's also some disagreement about how Peter breaks down and realizes that the prophecy came true. Mm. Matthew and Mark, basically Matthew copies Mark's word for word with the rooster crowing, Peter remembering, and then he goes outside and starts weeping. He's just like, wow, I'm really self-aware now. I was kind of being a dick about it. (laughs) Luke has the rooster crow. Oh, and the rooster crowing is part of it because Jesus, the, the prophecy was that Peter would deny him three times before the rooster crowed. Oh, okay. He was basically saying, tonight you will deny me three times. So Luke has the rooster crowing. Then Jesus looks him right in the eye from across the courtyard, Mm -hmm. which makes him remember. Okay. And then he goes outside and weeps. Dude, it's been less than a day. Was he stoned? (laughs) Maybe. Maybe. Really tired? Yeah. I did not sleep very well last night. I'm, I'm sorry. Jeez. Sorry. <laughs> Jesus uh, Christ. I mean, at least he's just crying about it and he's not like, well, I'm going to kill myself now. Taking it to that extreme. Realistically, with these these contradictions, these aren't something that would be very useful to use to try to convince a Christian that the Bible is wrong. <laughs> right. 
because the response that you're going to get is going to range from it's the message, not the details that matters. Yeah. Or the response you're going to get is no, the Bible has no errors. You're wrong. Right. Those are the only two answers you'll get. Yeah. You're not going to get, yeah, of course the story's bullshit. Do you, do you know what it's also not going to do? Convince people to become Christian either. <laughs> <laughs> not in this case. No, if you're trying to convince somebody to be a Christian, you don't start off with the contradictions. Right. Yeah. But if you're trying to prepare pastors, you know, future pastors to not be surprised by stuff like this. Right. Then you go into them. Yeah. I learned about all these denials in college. Okay. In one of my theology classes. Right. And then they were like, here's how you, uh, here's how you talk about this <laughs> when someone comes and brings it up to you. Maybe. No, the, that particular professor's take on it was basically that uh, the details don't matter. Okay. It's the message. It's the key points. The message is what's infallible, not the exact words. Right. Because it was written down by an infallible, by a fallible human, but they were inspired by. <laughs> uh huh. It, it, that's the the liberal approach to why it matters, even though it's full of errors. Right. <laughs> is to try to dismiss the errors. Right. 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 Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> when if if you're going with that, then. You could you can dismiss anything in the Bible, yeah. Or you just hope that there's some stupid, <laughs> stupid person who's not going to be paying attention. Mm -hmm. uh, which is what I realized happened with me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, Lauren and Kylie have uh, exited. Uh, Kylie was not having a good time. Um, so uh, let's go ahead and move on to news. <laughs> A bill that would have ended the death penalty in Wyoming passed the state's House of Representatives and was unanimously endorsed by the Senate Judiciary Committee and then was voted down 18 to 11. Mm-hmm. The most bizarre justification to vote against this came from Senator Lynn Hutchings, Republican from Cheyenne, who said, the greatest man who ever lived died via the death penalty for you and me. I'm grateful to him for our future hope because of this. Governments were instituted to execute justice. If it wasn't for Jesus dying via the death penalty, we would all have no hope. I honestly, I am so baffled by how much religion I shouldn't be. I know I shouldn't be, but more and more, I'm seeing how much religion is playing a factor in politics. Mm -hmm. So I, I, I'm saying I'm not surprised that this is brought up, right? but it's not supposed to be. Well, and even you worse know. than that, if you're going to try to use a Christian justification for the death penalty, right? someone who is by very definition innocent... Right. Being executed right. is not a good argument. <laughs> right. right, exactly. Uh, so are they saying it's okay that there's a bunch of people on death row that might just be innocent? Like, well, they're falling in some good footsteps, though. So Apparently. Yeah. <laughs> that's a, yes, you're right. That's a horrible argument. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, like if they'd gone with, you know, in the Old Testament, there's lots of stories about... <laughs> how to run a good society right. and for some offenses they're so bad that right. you have to you have to kill people like picking up sticks on the sabbath <laughs> oh wait nope they're not gonna try and make that a, a punishable offense because christians can't even agree on when the sabbath is oh right <laughs> yeah uh this is ludicrous uh so i uh i was at the capitol this last week, um, it was a Idaho Women's in Leadership uh, day, which was great. It was great because they're very much pushing for more women and leadership roles. I realized that uh, I get up on stage and talk about uh, sex 
uh, too much, so I will never be in politics. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Not here in Idaho. We know that for sure. Yeah. So I have a different platform, obviously, to talk about my gripes. But there was one moment uh, in the panel at breakfast. Uh, the panel was Governor Little, Senator Brent Hill, Senator Michelle Stennett, uh, Senator Cherie Buckner-Webb, and then Representative Megan Blinksma. Okay. Anyway, that gal. We've had a comment from Cherie Buckner-Webb on the show. Oh, really? I yeah. love her so much. She's so great. Uh, she agreed to talk to me when uh, the big celebratory rally when uh, same-sex marriage was oh, perf- legal, became legal here. Perfect. That's great. Senator Brent Hill, like they were kind of closing it out. And there's some other stuff that we can can point out later. Maybe we should talk about this after the show. That's why everybody should become a patron so that you can hear about it. Uh, but he basically closed it out by saying like, you know, uh, what we really, all of us, uh, when it comes to politics, it's just getting down on our knees Basically saying God's giving them the tools by by praying. That's where all all the politics in this state comes from because of that higher power and prayer. And I was just like, are you fucking kidding me right now? Shut the fuck up. No. (laughs) So we'll get into that more later. But but it was eye opening. Yeah. Now, so what's what's interesting is in Wyoming, religion was a factor in a lot of votes in favor of getting rid of the death penalty. Right. Because if you look at the Christian message, there are a lot more arguments against executing people. Yeah. Uh, including if you want somebody to have a chance at salvation, you don't want to reduce their opportunities by killing them. Right. Right. Absolutely. And so religion w- did actually come in a lot. There was one guy who even said that, you know, his religion obviously is against killing people. He has his own personal beliefs that differ from that, but he still felt compelled to vote in favor of this bill. Um, there were a lot of people who voted to end the death penalty on purely financial grounds. Okay. Despite having not executed anybody since 1992, mm-hmm. it cost Wyoming $1 million per year extra for the people they currently have on death row. <laughs> I don't know. I, this would, should yeah. be the easiest budget cut. Right. Exactly. No, no, no. No. <laughs> Which was why that guy was in favor of it. Right. He'd already cut his... He he was starting to run out of, of ideas for where to cut money from the budget. So right. this seemed like the next good option. Right. Hmm. What is there? What do you know what Wyoming's uh, prison system is like? Like, is it like here? Is it privatized? Do you think? I, I haven't looked into that. Hmm. Uh, Wyoming and Idaho seem to have a lot of things in common. Yeah. Politically. Yeah. For sure. We'll talk about that too, because yeah. that came up as well. Oh, nice. <laughs> Yeah, so let's go ahead and move on to the U.S. House of Representatives, where Representative Mike Johnson, Republican from Louisiana, introduced House Resolution 110, which reads, Resolved that clause blah 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 of the rules of the House of Representatives is amended by striking may administer oaths to witnesses and inserting shall administer the following oath to witnesses. Do you solemnly swear or affirm that the testimony that you are about to give is the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, so help you God. So everybody would have to say that. Everybody who goes before any house committee. <laughs> mm-hmm. So this is after Democrats have looked at removing that from some committees. Right. Because as the rules currently stand, committees may administer oaths to witnesses. Right. Some committees have spelled out what those oaths are. Others just administer relatively standard oaths. Yeah. So it's just some dick who was like, uh-oh. Well, this one committee uh-huh. tried to do it, so now let's ban all committee. <laughs> let's make a, a rule so no, that's not a case anymore yeah. for any committees. 
That's just like, uh, you know, the Idaho state government who was like, uh, no, no county or city can have a plastic ban. Uh huh. Yep. You know, it's like, oh, okay. So we don't have to go through this again. We're going to make this. That's stupid. Now, of course, with the plastic bag ban ban, Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, there was other. That had the added bit that the representative proposing the bill manufactures all of the plastic bags (laughs) in the state of Idaho. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, But but it's still, you know, it's still still one of those things. I bet his name is like Jared or Kyle. (laughs) That just seems like an idiot name. (laughs) What's his name? Well, for this one, it's, it's Mike. Oh, Mike. You know, I'm hitting miss on mics. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Yeah, so this is Mike. Right now they're the house is wasting time on this issue. Right. This is something that should be addressed because there are a, there's a lot of stuff that needs to be modernized. Take a page out of Canada's book. They're going through and modernizing their laws and getting right. rid of a lot of archaic bullshit. Right. I would say, so help you God, is archaic bullshit. There is a time when getting rid of all of that and right. getting rid of the remnants of McCarthyism from the Red Scare yeah. needs to be cleaned up. There are more pressing issues for the House to be concerning themselves with right now. Absolutely. Like, <laughs> is the Russian government in control of our president? Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I think this is a this is a something that should come up, you know, after he's out of office and we have a new person and we're not worrying about, you know, Russian control, uh, uh-huh. a state of emergency to pay for a fucking wall, uh, yeah. you know, school uh, shootings. I don't know. A, a great time things. for this will be when when Democrats want the opportunity to flip President Pence the bird. <laughs> yeah absolutely uh i mean i guess we have one up on canada we don't really have witch laws anymore right <laughs> probably not i would say there's still states that probably <laughs> do have some weirdo <laughs> probably back east uh, <laughs> just to lighten the mood a little bit i know yeah. i got a little intense there so <laughs> Oh, man. And that's a callback to December, everybody, uh-huh. or January. <laughs> good job. <laughs> uh, good. Trump advisor and Dallas megachurch pastor Robert Jeffress went on Todd Stern's radio show and called Never Trump Evangelicals, quote, absolutely spineless morons, and went on to say... Again, referring to evangelical Christians that don't support Trump. Mm-hmm. Quote, we cannot afford to be like German Christians who, in the rise of the evil reign of Adolf Hitler, just remained neutered. They remained silent, and you saw what happened there. I think there's a similar wave of godlessness that is rising in our country right now, and we must push back against that tide. End quote. Mm, uh, I mean... Uh, I would I would beg to differ on that one. Like, uh, <laughs> okay, so if you just remove the godlessness mm-hmm. and let's say replace that with bigotry. <laughs> right. Yeah, that yeah. statement all works, mm-hmm. but not for condemning people who oppose Trump it would be condemning Trump and his supporters. Right. I mean, he's essentially calling them Nazis then. Is that what we're... I mean... He's saying yeah. the people who are opposed to Trump and his Nazi supporters are Nazis. <laughs> right, right, right. That's stupid. He's stupid. Uh-huh. <laughs> because that's backwards, sir. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. All the Nazis like Trump and are evangelical. Yeah. Which is interesting lately because, you know, Nazis were not religious, right? Like, we know that. No, they were. Are you sure? Yeah. I feel like they weren't that religious. Uh, Well, the Nazi party as a whole had nothing to do with religion. Yeah. Just like traditionally political parties don't have anything to do yeah. with religion. 
But they were backed the by... Nazi party had the endorsement of the Pope. Adolf Hitler was a practicing active Catholic the entire time. Uh, most of the leadership in the mm-hmm. Third Reich were either Catholic or Lutheran. Okay. I feel like I thought they weren't... That's they Christian big propaganda. On, yeah, I thought they weren't big on Catholics. No, they... For some reason. They I put atheists in concentration camps. Oh, they put UU people in there, too. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so they were <laughs> very actively against people who were not religious. Mm-hmm. They loved Catholics. Okay. Especially since Catholics, most of them, backed them. Right. Oh, you know what I'm getting confused about there? What, didn't we also bring on uh, the Soviet Union to be like, okay, let, uh, let's be allies for right now with yeah. this. The Soviets were, right? yeah, they were, were anti-religion. Right. Uh, I think I'm just getting all confused yeah. with my my parties and that. <laughs> I'm tired. <laughs> yeah, the, the Nazis hated Jews and atheists yeah. and Unitarians and right. other not approved Christians. Right. Uh, they did dabble with paganism a bit, Interesting. but mostly went for, you know, Lutheranism and Catholicism. Okay. You know, the two biggies. Within Germany, yeah. <laughs> yeah. The two biggies. <laughs> Fox and Friends presenter Pete Hegseth was questioned by the hosts of the show as to why he ate pizza that had been left out since the day before. Okay. Okay. Who's this guy? Who's Pete? He is a presenter on Fox and Friends. Okay. And they had pizza there last Saturday for National Pizza Day. Mm-hmm. And then before their Sunday show, there was still some pizza left out. Yeah. And they saw him taking day-old pizza right. and eat it. And so basically they're like, hey, this is going to be a good shaming moment on national television. Right. So they're like, yeah, so why why are you eating that? And He's like, because it's still fucking good. It's got so much preservatives in it. It doesn't matter. He said the pizza's good for a very, very long time left out at room temperature and that his new year's resolution was to say the things on air that he says off air. Okay. Oh. oh. And so then he went on to admit that he hasn't washed his hands in 10 years <laughs> because he doesn't believe that germs are real right. because he can't see them. Right. So you want to hear a funny thing on Thursday, I hosted an open mic and I thought it was a, um, somebody in politics who did that. Everybody agreed with me. We still thought idiot disgusting <laughs> that's oh, so yeah. gross but then again maybe he's got a good immune system who knows well okay so <laughs> yeah that if, doesn't mean for other people <laughs> the more the more that you expose your immune system to the stronger your immune system will be until it kills you right my thought is gross don't your hands just feel gross like there are just some times when you're like sweaty or you touch something and it's just real gross. Like you just want to wash your hands. Well, especially considering uh, like try to, this is, this is flu season, right? It's an H1N1 year. Yeah. Fox news has already lost somebody to, or no, no, it wasn't Fox news, but uh, some prominent conservative blowhard anti-vaxxer uh, died from H1 already. Okay. H1N1 already. This is not the time to be not washing your hands. <laughs> do you think do you think at all that his co-hosts then start thinking back about the time that they all shared like a tub of popcorn <laughs> and then they're like, "Oh my god, his shit has been in my mouth." <laughs> yeah. Oh man. You know? Like they start recalling all the handshakes and all the <laughs> And that's so gross. What this just kind of goes to show is the stupidity is real. Right. And it is dangerous. And you can be charismatic and you can have be on television uh-huh. and get paid a lot of money. Flat Earth is funny. Right. Being anti-germ theory is terrifying. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but let's get back to the issue at hand. I would totally eat a piece of pizza the next day. <laughs> That's been left out. I think so. Depends on what the toppings are, but uh, I'd probably do that. <laughs> It's okay, not- <laughs> that that probably okay. Yeah, I wouldn't shame someone on TV. That was kind of a dick move from his co-host. <laughs> uh, probably the big thing you'd be concerned with with 
day old pizza would be uh was it legionelles legionera uh, whatever it is if the cheese was like but yeah that's really only an issue if you are a baby or right. you're pregnant right yeah so otherwise but, it, it's probably not gonna harm you you might yeah. be a little nauseated but that's yeah. probably about the extent of it i would do it but now they just open another can of worms and they just found out something real disgusting about Oh, yeah. <laughs> they were just trying to give him shit. Yeah. And... <laughs> then they really... <laughs> now they know he's got a bunch of shit on his hands. Uh-huh. Gross. <laughs> Which I'm sure they've all sh- shaken hands with him. Uh, yes, exactly. And gotten his shit on their hands. And this article on Newsweek that we have in the show notes... Yeah. ...points out that human fecal matter contains one trillion bacteria uh, per gram gross no one's touching him now <laughs> i bet there is somebody who is like oh my gosh and is sterilizing every like his seat and all this stuff well, one of the hosts response to it was mm-hmm. that her dad's like that too <gasps> ew <laughs> who would and he's married right i think he's married i, I don't know if yeah. uh, uh if he's not then he's not gonna be. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. Mm. All right. So in Queensland, Australia, children 15 years and older can get medical care without their parents' consent. There's usually some age around 15 or 16 when kids can do that. I know mm. I was kind of surprised when I was 16 and I was the one that signed the consent forms for my getting my wisdom teeth removed, not oh. my mom. And yeah. Uh, cool. Good reasons for it is for girls to be able to get contraceptives. Yeah. Well, in Queensland, they are finding a whole new trend <laughs> that is amazing. Teens are rebelling against their anti-vax parents and going <laughs> to the doctor and getting vaccinated. Perfect. Good. Good for you. This has started like this is like a new thing that's being noticed in just mm-hmm. the last couple of weeks mm-hmm. uh, for really good reason. Right. Isn't there also a pretty low age limit to just get yourself vaccinated here? I think too. Only a handful of states. I swear I saw that, but I should back that up before I say it. I was called out the other day about just seeing something randomly and then spouting it out. So I'll look that up, but I feel like I saw that. Like that was a redeeming quality of Idaho. Good job. We we have nuggets once in a while, but that's great. Yeah. And I'm glad that there are kids who are like, yep, sorry, mom and dad. I'm going to rebel and I'm going to get vaccinated finally. <laughs> oh, man. So do you want some time to, to look that up? Uh, No, you know what? We'll uh, I'll look it up. I'll make a note. I'll look it up and we'll talk about it next week. Okay. So we're, we're going to say whether or not kids can do that in Idaho is, yeah. is unverified. Unverified. Yep. I'm going to look it up. Um, Facebook allows for some terrifyingly precise targeting of advertisements based on the ridiculous plethora of information that they have out on people. And it's been discovered that anti-vax groups have been targeting pregnant women in the very areas where there are current outbreaks hoping to stop the rising rate of vaccinations that these areas are seeing. I'm speechless on this. My my question, though, is what's the end game here? I know that there are some anti-vaxxers who are saying that there needs to be a real uh, policing of, of the pharmaceutical companies and really looking at uh, how many and why. And, and there's something about, from what I've read, there's something about how you can't uh, sue a company because of a vaccine there's some weird laws or something like that whether that or not that's true i don't know but that's what i heard from a person who is anti-vax there is the anti-vax or the, there should be the, the vaccine adverse report event reporting system where any adverse event to a vaccine has to get reported and there is a government fund to pay out on claims of okay and generally speaking, the payouts have been for unsubstantiated and bullshit claims right. of harm from vaccines. Right. Um, but 
that does exist. Right. Part of that was to protect the companies that are making the vaccines from getting sued by batshit crazy anti-vax people frivolously because it is an important public health need to have these vaccines available. I guess the argument that I saw from someone was like, hey, when I got vaccines, there was only eight. Now, you know, nowadays children are getting like... I feel like 56 was thrown out, but I feel like that's a extrapolated number. <laughs> that's that's not the case, but it's a larger amount, which, yeah. you know, I when I was in the military, I actually was vaccinated, um, but I couldn't show my record. So they just gave me all of them again. And there was there was a lot of shots. Mm-hmm. I got uh, a shotgun, uh, which had several different shots loaded up in each arm. Oh, yeah, so oh, wow. so I had a lot of a lot of stuff and then uh and then a penicillin shot in the ass. It was fun. <laughs> I laughed so hard when that happened and I got in trouble. But it hurt and I couldn't do anything but laugh about it. <laughs> uh but I mean yeah. I get it. I see it. Uh, I wish there was a better argument. I I get the fact that it looks like there's a lot. Now what the what these groups are, are yeah. doing is Jimmy says uh looks like 54 vaccines by the age of 18. So Okay, yeah. Okay. It, it is a lot. Yeah. Uh Kylie had her biggest vaccination day at her 12-month checkup. And I think it was something like 12 different antigens included in it. Mhm. It was two shots. Right. They Mixed stuff gets yeah. mixed in. Yeah, it, it did require both legs, but right. No, actually, no, it wasn't two. It was might have been three or four. I, I don't remember the exact number. She was screaming and crying. And right, <laughs> right. From the moment the first shot went in to ten seconds after the last one, she yeah. was screaming. Yeah, 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 yeah. Which makes sense because she was getting poked with a needle. A needle. Yeah. Uh huh. That hurts. Well, yeah, and. And the thing is, I get that there are some people who feel like it's the government and there's like control. That's the irrational thinking of Uh folks here that it's like a a control type thing or that they're poisoning us Mm -hmm. or that they're trying to sterilize. I don't know. All these other things, right? These are all various theories about it. When No, yeah. It is a, a government plot to try to improve public health by eradicating as many diseases as possible. <laughs> yes, yes. In terms of government plots, this is literally the least nefarious plot ever. Right. <laughs> Actually, no, the even less nefarious would be fluoridation, where the goal is to reduce cavities yeah. and find a way to get rid of what would otherwise be hazardous waste. Right. It's both a recycling program and cuts down on cavities in children. Yeah. Super win-win. I think so. And that one also ends up being often free because the companies that would be having to pay to get rid of the stuff are still paying to get it, you know. Right. Yeah. Yeah. When you start looking at some of it, it can look kind of weird, like doing fluoridation with industrial waste. That seems gross. Right. Except it's purified and isolated down to the exact chemical and it's in proper doses like what right. happens about in fluoridation programs is amazing with no no harmful effects right um but with the uh these vaccination anti-vaccination uh advertising campaigns that they're doing what has studies have proven is that to reduce the rate of vaccination you don't have to convince people that vaccines are bad you just have to sow enough concern that they are even a couple percent as afraid of the vaccine as they are of the Mm, disease mm -hmm. now that bar is rising because the the fear of the disease is rising because it has finally reached a non-insular community in the united states Mm -hmm. for the second time so they're having to go a little bit fight a little harder to fight it yeah and I think we got off topic because I got all up in it. But basically, there's something about Facebook in there. <laughs> yes. So Facebook is actually, because of a lot of public pressure, Right. they are looking at how to handle this. 
And it's looking like they're going to be trying to stop anti-vax groups from buying ads. Okay. And penalizing their groups and pages in search results. Interesting. But then aren't we going to get on the side of, uh, is this censorship and all that stuff? And the answer to that is no, it is not censorship because Facebook is not the government. Perfect. Yay. Yay. I'm back. Or media. (laughs) It might be social media, but it's not like a media source. And also the media doesn't have to provide both sides of the argument on vaccines. Oh, perfect. Because if it is actual science and there is one side that is fact and one side that's fiction, the media to provide equal airtime doesn't have to present both sides. Right. Instagram, (laughs) also owned by Facebook. Yes. In Indonesia was asked by the government to remove an account because it had comics about gay Muslims. Because they said it was offensive to Muslims. Mm-hmm. Mm. Instagram removed it. Oh. It's kind of hard to say no to a government, which is why it's messed up that the government did it, did that in the first place. Yeah. Well, they probably I don't, don't blame Instagram for doing it. Right. Because they probably were thinking like, well, we can either remove this or they're going to make it so that there's no Instagram. And it because countries have done that. Yes, the language of the this account and the comics was a mix of English and Indonesian. Mm. So, yeah, if they want to have access to Indonesia mm-hmm. stuff that's in the language of the people, that's just shitty. Yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah, that's no bueno. But I blame the government on that one, not not Instagram. Um, Instagram, I would say, is a victim of. A repressive regime because that's stupid that making a comic about gay muslims isn't dissing muslims it isn't it's just representation it's just <laughs> saying that yeah there's these guys who like to do other guys and they happen to be muslim let's write a comic about it but it is offensive to some muslims that there could possibly be a gay muslim right exactly that's the whole thing. And that's just dumb. So we've been following the story of Mary Doe's lawsuit against the Missouri abortion-informed consent laws on the grounds of her religious beliefs as a Satanist for several years now. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, basically since it all started in 2015. And her federal case was dismissed a couple years ago for lack of standing since she wasn't still pregnant. Boo. But her state case, which was also dismissed for the same reason, but revived by an appeals court, Mm -hmm. made it to the state Supreme Court, and she lost. In their ruling, they determined that the informed consent law, which required that she be provided with an anti-abortion propaganda booklet with some very heavy Christian influences, Mm -hmm. and wait 72 hours, did not violate her religious beliefs since she was not required to read the pamphlet And because they determined that her religious beliefs weren't impacted by the waiting period, just that it cost her more time and money. Right. So making a certain religion or non-religion pay more in time and money for a service is... Except it applies equally to everybody who wants that service. Mm. I mean, it's just a jet. It's just a... a Just a jacked up system. A hateful woman law. (laughs) <laughs> it's now, basically what it is where so and i think this was part of of the it, okay it was beautiful that this lawsuit happened and was on the grounds of of trying to pull rifra protections mm-hmm. uh because well, that's just a, a an approach that hadn't been taken before and it sucks that you have to be given a pamphlet but don't have to read it means it's not an undue burden. But the waiting period, that one should have been argued as just an undue burden on women. Right. Period. Right. Yep. Do they do that with men with vasectomies? No, of course not. Because that's... You have to wait 72 hours to make sure that you're never going to have children again because you're too young and you're ignorant and you don't understand. Yes, but it can be reversed, you see. Sometimes. Right, but... <laughs> yeah. God, I don't know. 
Yeah. Well, I mean, we all know that everybody hates ladies, so. (laughs) Everybody hates the lady parts. Because they're sinful and they make men do dumb stuff. Yeah, basically. That's what it is. My ankles are too sexy for everybody. (laughs) (laughs) All right. For a final news story, a Utah bill would raise the limit for beer sold in grocery and convenience stores from 3.2% to 4.8%. Do you, I was thinking about this and I was like, you know why I think they're okay with that? It's because uh, they also lowered the DUI. Oh, uh, what did they drop it it's to? It's like 0.06 now or something. 0.05. Oh, wow. It's really low. So I, essentially it's you drink a, a beer and drive and you can get a DUI. Oh, okay. So it, yeah, there's a lot of places that are, are starting to look at going to a 0.04 or 0.05, mm-hmm. which... For an average man means you can have one beer right. and drive. Right. For the average woman, it means... No beer. None. Right. Again, because they hate ladies. <laughs> or they do not understand no. what mass is. Right, right. So uh, that's all I could think of when I saw that. I was like, oh, they're probably like, yeah, that's okay. That's because we can pull you over more. Now, this is for... Beer that people are going to be taking home most of the time. Uh, but the Mormon yeah. church is actively lobbying against this because, of course, they oppose any loosening of alcohol restrictions. What a surprise. But Utah's breweries are also opposing it because most of their beers would still not be available at that level. So this change would be a win for Imbev and Coors. Ah, so big beer. Uh huh. <laughs> Who, since Texas and Oklahoma big loosened beer. their rules, are now only making three point two percent beer for Utah. Hmm. I mean, I feel like when I went to Utah, I got I got a pretty high percentage of beer. So when I, not in the yeah, not in the package store, but at the right brewery. So their their rules are insanely confusing yeah it can't be on tap like higher than something can't be on tap uh you can uh there's limits to how many drinks can be served at the same time so you can have a shot but not a shot with a chaser you can't have a double because that's two drinks right you only have one drink at a time in front of you and you have to have food in the Uh the establishment uh in grocery stores and convenience stores, they can only sell 3.2%, but in restaurants, they can serve up to 4%. Right. In, at a brewery, they can serve on tap up to a certain percentage, but then they can go higher if it's bottled. Right. And at liquor stores or these specialty beer stores, right. they can sell anything. Right. Well, it's a, a package store or whatever. The li- yeah, the liquor store. The liquor store sells wine. That's where you get your wine mm-hmm. in Utah, which is weird. We because they sell beer in the grocery stores, so we're like, okay, perfect, beer and wine. It's gonna be. We couldn't find wine. We felt like such degenerates when we we're like, where do you get the wine? They're like at the at the liquor store. At the liquor store. <laughs> it's like yeah. that kid that served us at Applebee's. Right. Uh-huh. Yeah. He had to be very up for. This was in Rexburg, Super oh, okay. Norman Town. And he had to be up for. I was like, "Well, I don't really know anything about the alcohol." Oh yeah. There was one person at that step. The bartender. Right. He had to go and get the bartender to come and tell me what they had on tap. Oh okay. Yeah. So it was just. Uh, so then we were wandering around asking people where the liquor store. <laughs> Where's the liquor store? And then we're like, to buy wine. To buy wine. We've got feedback from Josh via the website. Man, you cannot blame Batman and Robin on Clooney. He was just dealt a bad hand with the script and Schumacher. No one, even if they brought back Keaton or time-traveled and got bail, could have saved that dumpster fire. The only feeling I had for any of the actors involved is pity that they were that they thought they were signing up for a proper sequel to the Keaton and, to a lesser extent, Kilmer-era films. Listen, good actors will make a bad script good, so fuck <laughs> Fuck that. No, I'm just kidding. I don't know. Okay, so that was the first thing I'd seen with Clooney. I was a stupid teenager, Mm. so I blamed him. Yeah. I couldn't blame the franchise. I couldn't blame any of the other actors. Right. I blamed Clooney. Old blue eyes. Just kidding. I was a stupid teenager, and it took me 
there are some grudges that as <laughs> illogical as they right. are can be really hard to get over. Absolutely. And I know it is illogical. I know it's irrational. We all got it. We all got those feelings. Don't apologize for it, Dustin. That's how you feel. And I have seen a few Clooney <laughs> movies since then. Ah. I've also seen a few... Who was the other actor that I really hated? Uh, the guy from Titanic. Leonardo DiCaprio? Yeah. Yeah? Yeah, I also made a point of not watching any of his movies for a long time. Yeah. He's an interesting fella. Yeah. I had a real big crush on him. As most girls do at that young age. Oh, the fact that in, you know, 1999, every girl had a crush on him was part of why I hated him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah. And uh, for support, we got a donation from Randy. So thank you, Randy. Nice. He Thanks, uses uh, the an atypical method for atypical reasons. If you want to support us the typical ways, you can go to atheistnomads.com slash donate. And you can find links to Patreon and how to do it through PayPal. Um, Patreon gives you perks and allows you to support us on a per episode basis. And to be honest, I set a secret goal <laughs> about three or four months ago of trying to get to 30 active patrons by episode 300. Mm -hmm. I kept this to myself because I thought that hoping for a 66.6% .6 increase seemed way too ambitious. And like a complete pipe dream. Yeah. As of last week, we have 30 active patrons. Woo! If Lauren was here, she should do her soundboard, soundboard <laughs> noises. Wah, 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 wah. I'll do it for her. Awesome. Yeah. So thank you to all the new patrons. Thank you for all the existing patrons. Yeah. You guys rock. Um, I am astounded and amazed and very happy. Right. And let's keep it going. Keep sharing. Keep liking, uh, tell your friends about it. Yeah. Uh, and again, with perks, is it two or more? So at $1 an episode, you get okay. longer episodes when we go long. Right. Uh, this one isn't long enough to hit into having special p patron content. Right. Um, at the $2 a month level, you get the post show as well. Yeah. And that's been interesting and fun. Yeah. Uh, you get to learn a little about Aaron because we haven't had anybody tell us to talk about anything else. Uh, I mean, if you wanted to know anything, uh, but it's been fun, the after show. And then you can also join in. Yeah. At the $5 at, level. At the $5 level and talk with us, yeah. which has happened. Yeah. So, you know, it'd be cool yeah. if, if, if you all wanted to do that or have someone else do it. <laughs> and uh, Lauren did disappear uh, for this last little bit again because mm -hmm. Kylie's having a rough time. Um, Aaron, thank you so much for joining us. Oh, you're welcome. It's been a pleasure. And listeners, remember, not all those who wander are lost. Thank you for listening to another episode of Atheist Nomads. You can find show notes and contact information at atheistnomads.com. Follow us on Twitter at Atheist Nomads and like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash atheistnomads. Please subscribe to the show in iTunes, Stitcher, or your podcatcher of choice. And while you're there, feel free to leave us a review. Theme music is courtesy of Sturdy Fred. Until next time, this has been the Atheist Nomads.